And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks to you all for joining me on this preview pod where the Bills are getting ready to take on the Chicago Bears on Christmas Eve. It is a game that is impacting travel more than it is the game itself. Although within the game, it seems like they're going to be dealing with some pretty harsh temperatures and some uh, some gusting winds, if you will. But uh, from everything that it looks like right now, Chicago is they're supposed to get the brunt of it. In terms of storm on Thursday evening and Friday, and then should be good to go by Saturday. That's the reason why the Bills are flying out on Thursday night, and certainly why their travel home is a bit up in the air as well, because back here in Buffalo, we're going to be dealing with a pretty hefty storm as well. So, just a, a lot of weather talk throughout this season. And I'm sure the Bills are probably a little tired of having to kind of zig and zag everywhere uh, in terms of a what they do from a weekly basis. But that's what happens when you play in the Northeast in December and early January and things like that. So this game is one that has a certain amount of flair to it. Maybe not from the result perspective, but I think the Chicago Bears are very interesting. And it's kind of like a, a breather for Bills fans because it's just they just had three straight games against AFC East opponents. They won all three. And this game in terms of impact has less to do with a tiebreaker perspective than anything, but that said, the Bills are also in the prime position to take the number one seed in the AFC. And it's not a, all they would have to do. It's they would need to win out to ensure it. They would either need to win out to ensure it or they would not need to win two, having the win over the Bengals be one of them to, you know, guarantee that the Bengals would be at a at a f- uh, five loss team and then hope that the Chiefs lose one as well. So there are ways to get that number one seed without a without a victory over the Bears, but this is one of those of the three games, this is the one where it's like okay, the Bills they should have this one. They need to have this one because they're going up against a 3-11 and 11 opponent. And it is their 
weakest opponent remaining. They've got the Bears. They've got the Bengals on the road. They've got the Patriots at home to end the season. And then, of course, the playoffs. But I find the the Bears pretty fascinating because there are some parallels between where the Bill where the Bears are now and where the Bills were. Maybe it, it's not an exact fit, just because I think their current trajectory is closer in terms of this season is closer to what the Bills were in Josh Allen's rookie season. It almost feels like the first year of Justin Fields' career is just kind of like a a red shirt more than anything because had a coaching staff that didn't utilize him properly. They were caught in the middle of like maybe trying to win. It was the end of a regime, both the GM and and the coach. And they were just trying to to work things out however they could. And it, it was an ugly product and they just didn't maximize Justin Fields' skills. And yeah, it was it was a, it was a mess of a year in Chicago last year. So that's why their win-loss record this year is not all that great. But I think when you look at the rest of it, how they are starting to come together a little bit, that kind of feels like Josh Allen's second season in the early stages. So it's almost like he's like a half year behind. And maybe next year is the year where uh, the Bears, after they've built around him a little bit, starts to, you know, get things going a bit more because you look at you watch the bears film and you're like, okay, what exactly do they have surrounded around this guy? I mean, the receivers this past week, because Darnell Mooney is out the receivers this past week were Equinamius St. Brown, Vellis Jones, Jr. Who is a 25 or 26 year old rookie Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, Cole Komet. And Komet's had some nice games, but he's not like a game breaker or anything like that. Claypool was out due to injury, and he hasn't really made a huge impact since he's been there. And then St. Brown went out with a concussion, I think, within one of the first few plays in the game last week. And their offensive line in front of him is just not great. <laughs> I mean, we remember what it was in 2018. And it was it was not exactly an ideal situation for Josh Allen. Uh, you know, the talent around him, it's very similar to what Fields has going on right now. But he's rising above it. Much in the same way that Allen did in spots early on in his rookie career, rookie year and then did it a little bit more as the year kind of progressed. Still had to go through some growing pains, no doubt, but that was that was the parallel. And it is quite interesting that this 2018 Bills team which you know, they in in terms of their talent level, they weren't they weren't like a pushover for a lot of their games. Let me go back and, and look at the schedule and, and how close it was because I remember them playing teams a lot tougher than their talent would indicate and I believe they went 6-10 and 10 that season. 
And the fact that they were able to go six and 10 with that roster was, you know, kind of a miracle. Like their last six games, they went three and three. Their last seven games, they went four and three. The early stages was rough, but after their bye week, they they came back. They won a three-score game. They lost by four to the Dolphins. They lost by four to the Jets. They beat the Lions by a point. They only lost by 12 to the Patriots in New England. And then they came back and blew out the Dolphins in their their regular season finale, 42-17. So by that point in the season, they were a different team. And and the roster was not great, but they started to learn about the pieces of their roster that maybe they were hesitant to give some playing time to and getting them a bit more acclimated with, with how they do things on defense and offense. Like a prime example of this, I think, is Levi Wallace, who wound up becoming a pretty locked-in starter for them down the stretch. So... This is, that was a, a different squad after, you know, going through the season where they were blown out by 32 points in the, against the Colts and blown out by the Bears by 32 points earlier in the year. It's just different. And that's why this Bears team, I think, is a, not like overwhelmingly worrisome, but I think they are playing really well at at this point, commensurate to the talent that they have, which is why this line is, is kind of weird with, with the, with these two teams. Like it opened up around nine and a half or nine. Last thing I checked earlier today, it was down to eight. Checked it Thursday morning. It's like, whoa, I mean, the the Bills have so much more talent on paper than the Bears do, but the Bears are, they've got some things working for them. Like Fields is is forcing the issue against some good defenses out there. They pushed the Eagles to a pretty close game this past week, even though it might have been a a late touchdown that that got them back into it. Their defense, despite not having... The crazy great talent on paper playing pretty well on in their back seven. So there are some some pieces to work with, which is why the Bills have to be very careful that they don't get caught off guard by this team. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, trap game, trap game, trap game, trap game, because I you know, I don't I don't necessarily love that rhetoric, but I do think that there is something to be said about the way that the Bears have have played recently. They are a, a different team since they have really committed to Justin Fields and, and doing things the right way. They they only lost by three to the Dolphins back in early November. They one point lost to the Lions, and the Lions, as we found out. On Thanksgiving, good team. And they're getting better. They might even make the playoffs. Losing to the Falcons by three points. That's one they'll probably want to have back. But still, three-point loss. 
only losing by nine to the Packers, losing by five to the to the Eagles. Like they have lost seven games straight here, but they don't on film, they don't look like a team that has lost seven in a row. So the Bills have to be careful with with Fields because he is certainly a uh, a fascinating slash game-breaking sort of quarterback that they have they have to be able to contain. And that's why to me the the focus on this one will come down to the defensive line play in front of them because last week the run defense was horrid in a word. The Dolphins were able to do things to the Bills' run defense that no other team outside of the Jets in Week 9 have been able to do. We saw this Bills team stuff some pretty good rushing attacks. Like, the Titans wanted to run with Derrick Henry. They, they couldn't. The Browns really never got anything going with Nick Chubb. And now they're going to be going up against a Bears team that is a multifaceted rushing team, whether it's Justin Fields on a keeper or David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert looks like he's going to be coming back this week. Those three elements in itself are, are solid. And Fields has that one play each game, it seems, where he makes a makes a player miss in the backfield and then all of a sudden, boom, he's down the field for 25, 30, 40, 50 yards. Like that, that's that's what they're dealing with. So I look at that defensive line, and when you when you go and watch the film from what the Bills did against the Dolphins, I don't think it was like Oh, the Dolphins found something and every team is going to punish the Bills in the same way. I don't think it was that. I think it was some poor execution by the guys up front. Mostly the defensive tackles, in my opinion. And certainly some some bad plays from defensive ends and missed tackles. Though I don't think the missed tackle part of it is a sustainable problem. It might hit the bills here or there, but I don't think it's such an overwhelming thing for this roster that this is going to be one of the biggest weaknesses for the bills heading into the playoffs. The way that the Dolphins ran against the bills to me was correctable and it's also it was also a a type of run game where they were really taking the bills defensive tackles aggressiveness against them and using it against them i should say which allowed some rush lanes it was a lot of timing where you know they would let the defensive tackle get up the field a little bit they would have the offensive line shield the one side and then all of a sudden there's there's a pretty big alley I think there was an emphasis from the Bills to get into a tongue of Iloa's face last week, which leads to some more aggressiveness. And there's a lot of play action, so they're a little bit more 
dynamic in terms of being unpredictable. So being able to get in the backfield, because the book on on Tua is if you can get him rattled and have him square his feet or get him to just move off his spot a little bit, then you're probably going to have some success. Because he wants to be a timing thrower and the Dolphins are really good at setting him up for success. But that's why I think we saw a lot of those moments where the defensive tackles got caught up field, Mostert or Saivan Ahmed was able to get up the field into the second level. And then from that point forward, there were just missed tackles. So that's why I don't think it's as translatable a problem as maybe what the Bills had to overcome against the Jets. Because that, to me, was more of a structural issue. And the Bills did a nice job of of coming through it. It wasn't all together at once. They did a better job of it against the Vikings, but they still allowed that 81-yard touchdown run by Dalvin Cook. So it was like two steps forward, one step back. One big step back, I should say. But this one, for the most part, the defensive tackles have played really well against the run this season. I thought it was a a really bad game for Tim Settle uh, against the Dolphins. Daquan Jones, I I thought, had one of his worst games. Ed Oliver, one of his worst run defending games. They didn't have Jordan Phillips in there. Brandon Bryan, I think, played 10 snaps and, you know, got pushed around on a couple of plays. So that's where it started to me, and that's why I think those guys, the the defensive tackles that are normally in there, will be able to turn this thing around. This is complicated by the fact that Ed Oliver is potentially in jeopardy of not playing. He popped up on the injury report on Thursday with a limited session due to a calf injury. It was the first we've ever seen of that. And I'm recording this on... On, uh, on Thursday and I was only able to see the early portion of practice which was stretching but he did not appear to have a helmet on still waiting for the injury report to come out I'm sure he'll be listed as questionable but yeah that's that could be a complicating factor but they still have Daquan Jones they still have Tim Settle who I think is going to play a lot better this this coming week and Jordan Phillips looks like he's he's due to return so at least they have three I'm expecting a better performance against the Bears. And the Bears' offensive line is not good. I didn't mind their left tackle, Braxton Jones, but their left guard, Cody Whitehair, their center, Mustafer, number 67, Tevin Jenkins, who was a high pick. He left last week's game with a neck injury, has not practiced so far this week through the first two sessions. So they had Michael Schofield come in the game. Uh, they're they're just trying to get through through the season with that group because it's it has not been good. But that's why I think this game is going to be a good tune-up for what the what the Bills are going to see the rest of the season. Cuz they do need to prove that they are able to they're able to conquer what happened against Miami last week and 
they're going to need some really big performances from the defensive tackles, from the defensive ends in, in containing Justin Fields. Though if they're able to do that and show that, you know, this run run defense struggle was just a one-off, then, then they'll be smoother sailing heading into Cincinnati the following weekend. But still a lot... A lot to kind of digest with maybe not this game, but just like this feels like a, a broader perspective game coming up here with the Bills against the Bears. But there is more to the Bears story than than I have let on, obviously. And and uh, right after the mini break here, we're going to have on my buddy who covers the Bears for the athletic. His name is Kevin Fishbane, does an awesome job covering them. Uh, he was kind enough to join me. Uh, on this podcast and we'll we'll get to hear about what the bears have going on what it's been like with justin fields what it feels like out there in chicago with with how the fans are interpreting fields and and where they go from here so uh some pretty pretty cool stuff from kevin so i encourage you to to hang on and then once once uh we're done with kevin i will be back for the weekly shack lawson meditation prediction hour so kevin fishbane coming up right after this Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are now joined my buddy over in Chicago. I was told to call you the fish man by Hogan Johns <laughs> when I was on their podcast a little bit earlier this morning. But Kevin Fishbane, who covers the Bears for The Athletic, does a great job. One of the originals at The Athletic um, and has been just an outstanding follow and read um, in all his time covering the Bears. Kevin, thanks so much for joining the Buffalo Bay. It's rare that we get to cross over here, but um, I'm glad glad to have you on. I know, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yeah, once every four years, uh, we get mm-hmm. you get uh, uh, you know everybody talks about things that change every four years: Olympics, World Cup, you know, White House, and Bears Bills. Bears Bills. Unless it's a preseason game in which AJ McCarron has like a crazy comeback victory. But that's about it. Strabisky uh, last year with the, when he came into Soldier Field and lit up the that's Bears true. in the preseason. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And there's a little bit more of crossover. What's it like uh, to cover a Nathan Peterman team? That's right. So Peterman came in. <laughs> Talk about worst possible scenario for Nathan Peterman coming the game for his first ever Bears snap last week. They're still in the game with the Eagles, and it's third and 14. You think of a worse scenario for Nathan Peterman to try to make a play. He actually almost did make a play. But, um, yeah, funny, Joe, is when the Bears signed Nathan Peterman, you know what the reaction was probably like. And my view was he's the number three quarterback. It's fine. But then when the number two quarterback goes on IR and your number one quarterback runs as much as Justin Fields does, it's a little more worrisome that uh, we might uh, that you, you you are one snap away as we saw last week from the Nathan Peterman experience, and it is quite the experience I, I can tell you firsthand. Um, it, actually, like watching that game, the game that everyone remembers, where he just uh, basically blew up against the Chargers in LA in their soccer stadium before they were at uh, SoFi. Uh, that was like one of the most jarring. Things I will never forget in all my time covering the beat. And not all the interceptions were his fault, but a lot of the interceptions were his fault. <laughs> but uh, but yes, uh, I'm, I did not have you on today to talk Nathan Peterman. and uh, <laughs> But uh, the guy that he came in for for the one play the past game, Justin Fields, is someone that has a lot of buzz around him and how he has developed this year. Since they have committed to utilizing him on the ground more um what has that evolution been like over the course of the season and where is he now in terms of his overall development in your mind you know after their mini buy and week after week six and the offense had just been putrid um they kind of you know they kind of put in some design runs they got him outside the pocket more often which he should have been doing from the from the start of course and I think everybody just kind of realized, like, this is something special. The thing about Fields, and he's talked to us about this before, he didn't run very much at Ohio State. Like, you go mm-hmm. back and look at his college stats, I mean, he was just killing people with his arm. And he had receivers that were wide open. 
and he had a cannon and he had great protect, protection and a great scheme and he took advantage of it. Um, and then the NFL came. Protection. It didn't have good receivers. It didn't have a good scheme last year, certainly. Um, and he's shown that he's had some um, room to grow as a passer in reading defenses. So I think this has helped make things easier for him. It's helped unlock something that the whole league has now seen that he is just on another level of you know turning nothing into something. Uh, it, what's interesting, Joe, is they're they were putting up rushing numbers. Like no NFL team has done in a long time. The Bears haven't done in a long time. Um, they were putting up off. They were putting up points at a level that the Bears hadn't done in a long time. There's not winning, and and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think you know Justin Fields has getting his accuracy's gotten better throwing the football during this stretch. Um, his decision making's gotten better. I still think he kind of get into this. Josh Allen is the as you know exception not the rule right like he's always mm-hmm. been that you know if you have a bad rookie year that's it unless you're josh allen mm-hmm. justin fields in chicago is hoping he's the next exception right his rookie mm-hmm. year numbers were historically bad um and i'm not, certainly not ready to put him on josh allen's level or even say that that can happen um but th- this has just been Unlike anything we've seen before, the way he's run the football, and it's really just done some different things for the offense, and I don't know how sustainable it is in the long term. I mean, he's even joked he doesn't want to run for 1,000 yards again, um, but it's certainly it's certainly made a three, the Bears probably the most watchable 3-11 team in NFL history. Yeah, definitely, and I'm I'm very curious as to how, how the overall fans are, are, are feeling about him. Like, is it because it seemed like there was a lot of dread about him last year, and now that is completely flipped. Um, so, what? Wh- how are the fans? Are they kind of like you know just t- cautiously optimistic, or are they all in at this point? They are all in. They're wow. are ready okay. to build the statue outside Soldier Field. You know, <laughs> okay. The thing about Fields was um, that you know Mitch Trubisky did not get this kind of benefit of the doubt because the Bears traded up for Mitch, but he ripped the trade he did not have a very sparkling college career. People didn't really know who he was, frankly, unless you kind of got really into the draft. Um, and you remember that draft, obviously, because of the, where the Bills were and, and what they mm-hmm. were kind of potentially considering at that time. Um, Fields, on the other hand, had an outstanding college career. He beat Clemson on the biggest stage. Um, he played for Ohio State. He was there at 11, and people were stunned. So when the Bears moved up for him, it was like, oh, my God, the Bears did something great. So when he was bad as a rookie, mostly everybody in town blamed it on Matt Nagy, blamed it on Ryan Pace, blamed it on everything around Justin Fields except for Justin Fields. So he got a lot of benefit of the doubt. Um, And even still, with the first few games this season, it was – what's around him it's not on him now i don't go that far when i evaluate it joe like i, I think that um the passer as i mentioned i still think he's got room to grow there reading defenses has gotten better um but was really a struggle early on like it is for a lot of rookie quarterbacks but yeah from the fan perspective most fans are all in and they are just we have the guy that we've been waiting for a century for um and now they just want to see what happens when they build around him 
Yeah. No pressure, right? right. <laughs> um, I, the the build around him is is part of the most interesting thing because there are certain parallels, like you pointed out, you know, hoping that he's the exception like Josh Allen was. But it also took a lot of building around him to maximize Josh Allen's skill set. So I do wonder because you you watch the Bears on film and it's like, okay, no one is separating. Like like there's there's nobody open out there. And coupled with the offensive line not really giving him a ton of time. Um, and then you know, his ball placement not always being sterling. It it's kind of a bad recipe for for his passing success. So I get why they're uh, why they're depending so much on his run. So what is your sense that they're going to do around him this offseason? Like is it just gonna be because their defense looks passable at this point, but is it just gonna be all in on on the offense throughout the offseason, make big moves. I know Stefan, the Stefan Diggs trade has been brought up a lot with the Bears. So, uh, in your mind, what, what's what's the next step? Well, the problem. So, there's a good and a bad. The good is they have more cap space than anybody in football. They're going to have a top five draft pick. They have two extra day three picks from the Eagles. Here's the bad. They need pr- at least three starting offensive linemen. <laughs> They need number one wide receiver. Can't go find us. You know they they traded for Chase Claypool, which is now looking like kind of a bit of a move of desperation because there's not really the, no free agent wide receiver. Um, you're not going to take one in the top five, and the top all you know McLaurin, AJ, when all AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, when those guys all Debo, when those guys all got kind of settled up, that was it. Chase Claypool was like the next guy. So they still need probably number one wide receiver. On defense, they need defensive ends, a three technique, a linebacker, and a cornerback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is going to take some time. And I think that you'd love to see him have a dynamic receiver who's always open. You'd love to see him have that stalwart offensive lineman, whether it's inside or outside. Um but the other thing, too, is the defense. I mean, this is the worst defense in terms of pressuring the quarterback in football. And, mm-hmm. and it's not close. And they, you know, that's why in Chicago, the focus for the next four months is going to be Will Anderson, the pass rusher from Alabama, Jalen Carter, the interior lineman from um, Georgia, uh, if they don't trade back. That's going to be the focus here because you go back and watch the Lions game, the Dolphins game, games when Fields did incredible historic things and the bears couldn't stop those teams so there's a little bit of that here too so like i mean priority wise to me it's both lines you got to start in the Mm -hmm. trenches you got to get in the protection you got to get somebody on the other side who could rush the passer and and then try to find him a dynamic receiver because they love darnell mooney he's just you know mooney's just not if mooney was healthy i'm not sure how much time leslie frazier spending on darnell mooney like, all mm-hmm. due respect to him, but it's just not that guy yet. If Chase Claypool mm-hmm. was playing, I don't know how much time Leslie Frazier is spending on how do you stop Chase Claypool. So um, they got to find that, try to find that guy or just somebody who could be that guy um, for Fields. But you also look, too, he's going to be sacked at a higher rate than anybody in 20 years. Going back to David Carr. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of that is just running around. He's got nobody open. Um, some of that's his own decision-making, but you also look at the fact that I don't know how many guys in their offensive line would start for Buffalo, for example, right now. Yeah. Um, you know, 
we did have the Ryan Bates Bowl. Um, so <laughs> Bates has actually had a really nice season. So the Bills made the right move. But um, that that uh, being said, uh, defensively, you brought up their deficiencies on the defensive line. You know, Jalen Johnson looks to be a player, and I, I'm really. Um, I really want to watch that that Johnson versus Diggs matchup because it seemed like, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnson was traveling with A.J. Brown for a lot of the time. So how has he developed? Because he's young too, and it seems like they – and he's not really on that radar of, of people of being like one of the, the top flight guys. So, I mean, how has he kind of come along and, um, you know, I mean, just, just overall his, his skill set? Yeah, he has the skill set for sure. And um, – you know, the problem with Jalen Johnson, he doesn't have the ball production, which, as you mm-hmm. know, you kind of need that, especially when you're not on a good team, to get that kind of name recognition. And, you know, it's funny. You look back at that A.J. Brown matchup. A.J. Brown had more receiving yards against the Bears than anybody's had in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but he caught only 50% of the ball thrown his way. And Jalen Johnson had three passes defense, which he hadn't done since week one of last year. So Johnson gave himself a high grade. The Bears coaches gave him a high grade because they just knew, like, A.J. Brown's going to get his. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some of the deep balls, Johnson, like, was in fine position. So I, I think I think he can't – I mean, he's got the athletic abilities to be a number one corner. Um, but, the you know, there was a game earlier this year he was hampered by injury a little bit in it, but the Lions game gave him a big play. So, you know, consistency still needs to get there. If Diggs is in the slot, I would not expect Johnson to be on him. I would expect that to be okay. Kyler Gordon, the rookie, who's the Bears' top pick, who's coming off maybe his best game. He played really well. Um, he had an interception and a fumble recovery. Um, but quarterbacks have gone after him because he's a rookie. Uh, mm-hmm. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how Buffalo handles that. Again, I, I'm guessing that the Bears don't have Jalen Johnson cover when he goes inside. Um so that'll just kind of be something to watch. But, yeah, I mean, you look at where the Bears' strength on defense is, it is the secondary because you have you have essentially four cornerstones back there with Johnson, the rookies, Kyle Gordon, and safety, Jaquan Brisker. And then even Eddie Jackson, you can throw him in there. He's on IR. He's not going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had kind of a, a really nice comeback season uh, in this new defense. So I, I asked this of, of all the uh... – the beat reporters from from opposing teams um, to to end things. It, well, setting it up, the line the betting line on this game is really weird. If if I'm honest, um, it's creeping down. It was at nine. It's now at eight at, at time of recording. It seems like there's a lot of money coming in on the Bears. So uh, with that in mind, I ask you this: If the Bears win this game. What has to happen, and how does it look from your perspective? And do you think that it could happen? How about that? Well, I, Joe, I would not have told you the Bears would win a one-possession game with the Eagles in the fourth quarter last week. Mm-hmm. And they were. And they had three takeaways against the, the team that has protected the ball better than anybody in football. So that's, to me, what it is. Because like you know Josh Allen's had turnover problems. And Matt Eberfuss's defense, when it's at his bat, at its best, is designed to take the ball away, which it hasn't done very well this year. And I think a lot of that's personnel more so than scheme. Um, so that's it. I mean, they have to take the ball away. Um, they stopped the run against Philly too. Um, they held Miles Sanders down. They didn't really. You know, Eagles didn't really do much running the football. So you know, you could argue it starts there. 
with them. They they did you know talk about being down guys. They lost Jack Sanborn. Their undrafted rookies been playing really well. Mike linebacker, he's on IR now. So that hurts their run defense. Um, yeah, that that betting line's odd. I've seen a lot of love for the Bears too to cover because they've just they've played a lot of close games, and, and and Fields is a big reason for it because he just will have like you know a team will take a two touchdown lead, then Fields is a forty nine yard touchdown run, and suddenly it's a one score game. So and then you have the weather factor. Now, if they were playing anybody but the Bills, I would give the Bears a little bit of a weather edge. But you know it's Buffalo. <laughs> like like after mm-hmm. what they went through you know last weekend. What's Josh Allen worried about? A little cold, a little wind? I don't, I don't think so. You know, like if you look at these rosters, I would say Bills by two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Thinking twice about it. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. they're not even on the same stratosphere when it comes to talent and experience and coaching. Um, maybe it's a little harsh, but you know, the Bears. Just, it's a different. It's a new coaching staff. It's everything's new here. Um, but when you consider the weather. Josh Allen's a little bit of a higher propensity to turn the ball over, and the Bears are trying to scheme that up. And the way that the fields has kind of been a little bit of an equalizer, I could understand why people see it being close. I will probably pick the Bills to cover when I mm-hmm. – but I should note to your listeners, Joe, mm-hmm. um, something they should worry about. I am 2-9-3 and three picking Bears games against the spread this year. <laughs> Which, like, is really re- – like, it, I mean, you know it's very hard to pick these things. That's yeah. very impressively bad. I'm really good. Pick, I've been really good picking all other games, but for some wait a reason, minute. So you you've had three pushes. The Bears have had three pushes. Yeah. No way. That's wild. They've had like three games of the. It's closed at three or seven, and they've lost by three or seven. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and um, so yeah. So I, while I will probably pick the Bills to cover, that's not good news for the Bills. <laughs> um, based on, but I, I say this too, Joe. You were asking earlier about the fan base here. It's this awkward scenario where everybody loves Justin Fields and believes he's, as they say, he is him. Right? That's what mm-hmm. the kids say these days. But they also want the Bears to lose. Mm. So there's going to be this weird, like, if you can picture the Larry David GIF where he's kind of like, eh, you know, if the Bears <laughs> win, and it's like this like seminal moment for Justin Fields knocks them out of the top two in the draft status. I feel like Bears fans are very conflicted. As somebody who is in the building with these guys, and you know this well because you've covered some bad Bills teams, Joe, these guys mm-hmm. want to win. Mm-hmm. And they think it's important to win. And they, you know, the, the draft stuff's for the GM to worry about. Um, if the Bears beat the Bills, I think that would be a massive moment for the franchise. Uh, I don't see it happening. Um, as I said, I think the the Bears in their wildest dreams are two years away from what the Bills were two years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, as I said, just you think about the weather and you think about um, what Fields has done to defenses that know what's coming. Like that's a big thing too. Everybody knows what he's going to do, what he's capable of, and sometimes you just can't stop him. So mm-hmm. um, that 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 could make the game a little exciting. Yeah, I I would tend to think you know to the the conflicted emotions of bears fans. It's like, okay, how about a 38 35 loss where the offense looks great. The defense kind of sucks, but Hey, you know, you still get that draft, that draft pick. Um, There was a radio show in town that the Monday after they lost to the dolphins, they were like drinking champagne and celebrating playing music. Cause it was that (laughs) kind of loss. It was like 30 to 29 or something. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, 
be sure to follow Kevin and read all his work, especially in the uh, the build up towards this Bills Bears game. You can follow him him on Twitter at k fishbane f i s h b a i n. Kevin, thank you, my man. You nailed it, and you are always a great source of information, Bears or otherwise. So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, Joe. All right, so that's Kevin Fishbane, and we will be right back with prediction right after this. All right, some excellent stuff from Kevin on the Bears and giving us a little bit more perspective about what's going on in Chicago and maybe what's to come. So they should be one of the more intriguing teams to track in the offseason to see if they can make that jump from you know where the Bills were in 2018 to where they got to in 2019, kind of similar parallels there like we were talking about before. All right, let's get into the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour. The Bills taking on the Bears this game. The total is pretty uh, pretty wild, considering that these two teams have both been putting up some points. I'm glad I'm checking it again because I mentioned earlier in the show the, the point spread was at eight. It's now at eight and a half, so some additional funds have come in on the bills. The total of the game has gone down from 40 to 39 and a half. So... Weather considerations are very real for both of these teams. So I guess that's that's kind of where we'll start things. Like, who does the weather impact the most? And I would have to think it's the Bears just because that illusion to throw the ball becomes a little bit less for them. Fields has definitely shown some zip on his passes, but some of the ball placement issues are still there with him. And I do wonder if that will impact him at a far greater clip than it will impact Josh Allen. We have seen Josh Allen throw the ball through wins. We have seen Josh Allen throw the ball through cold. So I wouldn't be all that concerned from a Bills perspective about his ability to do so. I think the bigger concern is how the Bills receivers, not named Stefan Diggs, are going to go up against a somewhat underrated Bears secondary with Kyler Gordon, their nickel corner, uh, Jalen Johnson, who I, who we talked about with Kevin, who's a I, I think Jalen Johnson is one of those guys where I'm like, okay, I, I, he's probably on the precipice of of getting some nice publicity nationally, and then their safety Jaquan Brisker, who they're really high on. Those three guys have, have made it made it a lot tougher to move the ball on on the Bears. So that's that's where I probably come in on whether or not the weather is going to impact the Bills. I, I think it's more about the matchup than anything. So the wind and weather might impact fields, which would inevitably help the Bills defense put this one over the line for them. Offensively, outside outside of that, um, f- offensively from a Bears perspective, I should say, limiting Justin Fields is going to be the biggest X factor. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, hey, they, they stopped Lamar Jackson. But I'm actually glad how Sean McDermott answered some of that question, that some of that questioning, because there aren't many parallels between 
what Justin Fields and the Bears are doing and what how the Ravens have shaped their offense around Lamar Jackson. Different players. Completely different players. Both of them can run the ball really well when they when they find the edges, but I think a different scope of offense in, in trying to limit them. I do think, however, this is going to be one of those games where maybe the defensive tackles aren't as geared up to get in the pocket because all you need is those guys to be basically pushed up or fields stepping up to the pocket. There's a, there's a gaping hole in the middle of the defense. And then all of a sudden you have a big game when you have everything covered up down the field, because let's be frank here. The bears receivers are not good just in terms of talent versus what the bills have. This is going to be a a game where bills cornerbacks should do really well and not allow a lot of separation from them despite their problems. Guys like Pringle, Pettis, Jones, Claypool. They should not be putting fear in the Bills. Which is why I think it would make a lot of sense for the defense to play more contain than to bring down. And to force the issue. Like make, make Justin Fields beat you with manipulating coverages as opposed to his incredible physical skills. But there will still be times where fields will break out because it's it's inevitable. I do think that the edge contain for the Bills at some times lapses, especially when they're really trying to get after it on third and six or or more. Rousseau is probably the best of the bunch at that, but Basham, who won't play, has has gotten uh, beat on this. Shaq Lawson has gotten beat on this, even though he's, you know, solid at it. AJ Epinesa has definitely gotten dinged for this. It's going to be really important for them to kind of hold their form and create kind of a bubble in the pocket that doesn't really allow Justin Fields to want to run the ball all that often. Then on top of that, I don't see, and, and you know, this is this might just be me overthinking it, but playing man to man against Justin Fields seems like kind of a recipe for disaster because you're more likely to open up a rushing lane. I, I, if it's me and with the bills being as good in zone as they are, I would just, I would just stick in zone, you know, close to a hundred percent of the time. There will be exceptions to the rule. Sometimes you want to throw a blitzer at him just to give him a different look. But yeah, I think, I think, the best means to try and contain contain him as best they can is to to stick in zone and hope that the receivers don't pop open in the same way that uh, that that some other better receivers might. I, I think 
I think there's going to be less of a an impact from from that position, which will help the matchup. Then offensively, I, I think the Bills and Josh Allen, the offensive line, they'll have enough time in in the backfield to be able to dice up what what the Bears are able to do. The defensive line play for the Bears, they, they've got guys who certainly give it everything they have, but not a great pass rusher off the edge. Not really impact pass rushers from the interior either, which, and you, as you heard Kevin allude to, this is a group that has really struggled to generate pressure all season long and the worst in the NFL. So I think the bear, the bills, especially after seeing a really good performance from Greg Van Roten, getting Deion Dawkins back to a certain level, probably getting Ryan Bates back. Oh, by the way, it's the Ryan Bates bowl. Not only is it the Ryan Bates Bowl, I'll get back to the offensive line point in a second, but not only is it the Ryan Bates Bowl, it is also potentially the Kingsley Jonathan revenge game. Hashtag Kingsley Jonathan revenge game. Because Boogie Basham is out for this game, they're probably going to call up a uh, a defensive end from the practice squad. They, they did use Mike Love as a call up earlier in the year. Wasn't that impressive. I wonder if maybe they want to look at Kingsley Jonathan with the additional motivation to go against the very team that cut him in the middle of the season. Now, the Bills also cut Kingsley Jonathan. But don't let the facts get in the way. Don't, don't let the facts get in the way of the story here. Kingsley Jonathan would have the opportunity to give some really great reps against the team that let him go in the middle of the year, which allowed him to come back to Buffalo on their practice squad. Just think it's a little fun side story. I'll probably tweet it a few times. Hashtag Kingsley Jonathan revenge game. But back to the offensive line, I think they did some some good things against the Dolphins. Once Mitch Morse went down, it got a bit worse, but Dawkins looked better in the first half. Van Roten had his best game of the season. I thought Spencer Brown had a solid first half. It kind of unraveled for Spencer Brown in the second half of the game. But getting Ryan Bates back, having Van Roten being able to build on what he did last week. And then, you know, I think Saffold's second half was a lot worse than his first half as well once once Morse went down. And that just goes to show the importance of Mitch Morse. But getting Ryan Bates back will be able to help a lot of what ailed the Bills in, in the second half of that game. Takes Quesenberry out of the lineup has Van Roten next to Brown. And so maybe that's a little bit more of a security blanket for Brown. And then Bates next to Saffold will, will help the operation too. So all in all, I'm going to take the Bills to win this game. I am, however, going to take the Bears to cover. I don't think it's going to be like a crazy close game, but I could definitely see a situation where Chicago wants to get some good offensive drives going late in the game and and you know bring it right back into a one score game realm. So I'm taking the Bills by a score of 26 to 19 which would give them the over. I'm not really concerned about the Bills ability to put up points in this game against the weather. They have been able to put up points in wind and in cold before. And I am expecting that to continue. 
It's not as though like 26 is a crazy amount. It's just right, right, right in the realm. Like some field goals, a couple touchdowns mixed in there, maybe a few touchdowns. Who knows? Two-point conversion, two-point conversion failed, something. 26-19 is where I kind of landed. And then from a Bears perspective, I think they're going to struggle to move the ball early on and then kind of get in the flow of things once, once the game becomes a little bit more settled from a Bills perspective. But the Bills do need to be careful, especially if they jump out to an early lead, which I'm kind of expecting to not let the Bears hang around. They have to put the game away. This is something that happened in the Green Bay game, remember, where the Bills had it, but the Packers just kind of hung around. The Packers weren't good enough to capitalize on it, but they just kind of hung around because the Bills didn't have that that, uh, killer instinct at, at the end of the game on offense. So... I do think that they need a bit of that because this Bears team plays really hard and they play above their talent level. So for all those reasons, I've got the Bills to win, the Bears to cover, and I'll begrudgingly take the over, even though everything is screaming at me to take the under because of the weather. I like the. I think the Bills will be able to score. And then because the Bills will be able to score, it will improve the offensive environment for the Bears. That's at least my, how I'm approaching it. All right. So that's going to do it for uh, this pregame episode. A brief announcement. Um, I will not be recording the postgame episode immediately after the game. It's going to be Christmas Eve. The following day, of course, is Christmas. Uh, I'm going to be recording the Bills Bears postgame show on Monday. Um, just going to spend the time with with the family and, you know, just because we're supposed to get a storm. So uh, so that try to stay warm as possible. Hopefully the power stays on. Well, you know, that's that's another battle for another day. So I'll be recording that on Monday and we might do some things a little bit different. So if you remember, throw some questions my way about about what happened with the game and I'll, and I'll get to some uh, listener and, and reader questions as as we kind of go along and I'll I'll put a tweet out there to remind as well and uh and yeah certainly gonna be interesting to see how the Bears play the Bills especially when the Bills are so heavily favored I I honestly can't wait to to watch to see the progression of Justin Fields because I think that's that's one of the more compelling parts of this game. All right. So thanks everyone for listening to this episode. My name is Joe Pascalia and we will talk to you on Monday. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday weekend with your family. If you're in Buffalo, stay warm. This storm seems legit. I hope everyone's power stays on. I know how that goes. So uh, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend with, with you and yours. And thank you so much for listening, subscribing, reading, everything you do for me. I, I really, really appreciate it. All right. So we will talk to you after the Bills-Bears game on Monday. See you then.